I'd be saying let's not go for coercing people into this. Let's not go for, for, for making the lives of anyone that doesn't get vaccinated miserable, punishing them for this. Let's persuade people that this is good for them and good for their elderly people, the vulnerable people, the community. Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical and joyful. Today's show is a revisit of an old topic. We were very blessed to have the Archbishop of Sydney join us to talk about ethical issues in COVID, and we're going to revisit some of those issues because a few things have changed here in Sydney and around the world uh, with the advent of the Delta variant of the virus. As I said, today I'm joined by the Most Reverend Anthony Fisher, Archbishop of Sydney. Welcome. Great to be back with you, Peter. And um, talking more about these ethical issues we talked about last time when we talked about uh, a number of things last time. So let's let's just briefly recap the situation. Last time we talked about what a reasonable effort is to avoid an infection and why we would bother going about avoiding infection. It seems that uh, some of the predictions early on that the COVID was just like a bit of a cold uh, don't seem to have borne out. There seems to be a bit more serious than that, in at least in some people. And we have um, hundreds of people in New South Wales hospitals at present. What is a reasonable effort to avoid infection in this case? And has Delta changed that, do you think? Uh, I think that the more infectious that a disease is, or the more harmful a disease is, the greater is the responsibility to protect ourselves and to protect each other from it. So, so if, if a disease is very infectious, we've got to think not just I might get it quite easily, but I might give it to someone else. If a disease is quite deadly, then I have to think, well, if I'm going to have a proper love and respect for my own life, uh, I'm going to protect myself from that as best I can. And indeed, protect other people's lives as best I can. So there are very good reasons. The more, the more infectious or the more deadly the disease that will take such precautions as are available. Now, it doesn't mean we have to do everything possible. Uh, one possibility would be that we, we lock everybody up in a cage uh, at 1.5 metres or perhaps 150 metres away from the next person. Uh, that, that would be a very effective way of stopping uh, them from transmitting it to each other. But of course, what about the rest of life? What about all the other reasons that we want to be alive? Uh, so we, we do have to have other considerations here, but this is a pretty serious one because so much of the rest of what we do is premised on our being alive and, and healthy enough to, to do the good things that we do, to make the good choices that we make. So I'd be saying to people that, that uh, not only is the use of vaccines, which is the current uh, issue being much discussed, uh, morally permissible for the sorts of reasons we discussed last time, but I'd say it's morally warranted. You'd, you'd need a really serious reason not to do it because this is something that uh, helps to protect the recipient's life and health uh, helps to prevent transmission to others, and so it serves the common good as well as our own good. A particular person might have a really serious reason, and, and I'm willing to hear those and entertain those, 
but we, we shouldn't just treat it as a flip of the coin issue. Uh, it's actually uh, more serious than that. Mm. Well, it has to be said that since we last spoke, uh, vaccines have become more available in, in Sydney in particular, um, and the pressure from the authorities to have the vaccine has become much more increased, obviously because of the needs involved. But there are some more concerns that have arisen with Delta, and in, very recently the, um, the it looks like it's spreading in the Indigenous community, for example, which is much, much more difficult to um, isolate and, and contain in that way. And other things such as the long-term pressure of lockdown is starting to get to many of us and and issues such as the the young people trying to take HSC exams and all the things that can't just be done remotely with fairness to them. We're kind of struggling with the, with the very fact that we're exhausted by the, the temporary measure that was supposed to be temporary to, to solve this problem. Um, you mentioned vaccines there, and there's been a lot of um, a lot of discussion about it. So perhaps we can go there. One, one issue is availability, at least, because not everyone can get hold of um, the vaccine they might want. And um, in a recent uh, document that you put out and, and some others have said, it seems that for Catholics, uh, the concerns, the moral concerns to do with the virus are a little less uh, in the Pfizer vaccine than they are for the AstraZeneca. Is that correct? Yes, that is so. I'd say the Pfizer and Novavax vaccines have less issues than the Moderna and the the GlaxoSmithKline vaccines. And the ones that have the most moral concerns around them are the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson vaccines. So that's not to say that any of them are perfect. They've all got uh, uh, certain moral questions over them. Uh, None of them is 100% safe. None of them is 100% effective. Uh, but where we have a choice, we'd obviously prefer to go for the one that is most uh, morally permissible and safest and effect- most effective. And depending on the time, up until this point, a lot of people thought they had a lot more time to make this decision. And uh, the, the recent outbreak has kind of put a lot of time pressure on us. Uh, in certain, Certainly in my area of Sydney, I'm in one of the suburbs that's in hard lockdown um, we haven't seen army in the street yet, <laughs> but they're they're a couple of suburbs away from me, which is an interesting thing. Uh, another thing that's come up in this outbreak is that pro- previously most of the outbreak in Sydney, at least, had been in suburbs in the east, which seemed to be more affluent suburbs, and it seemed to have they're very compliant to directives. Whereas we now we've seen it come into the the working class areas of Sydney and people with different definitions of family, shall we say. There's a, a much broader understanding of family. So when the government says, stay home with your family, and they go, oh, good, only 64 of us at home today. <laughs> it's kind of... <laughs> and I think they tried to transpose the the rules that worked in the East and directly put them on the West, and it hasn't worked out for them. I think that we do have to consider the differences in different communities. Obviously, language is a big thing here, but also different understandings, uh, different different attitudes to to how you relate well with others, and so on. And and some communities will find it much harder to to separate from, for instance, parents and grandparents or aunts and uncles. 
than will others. Though, of course, within any particular community, there's also individuals with different different views on these things. I, I'd be very wary about uh, some of the talk that's been out there about the Westies of Sydney being less compliant or less concerned or less helpful. In fact, uh, we now know that, that their vaccine rates are much higher than many other parts of Sydney. Uh, they've actually responded very quickly and and very well uh, to the public health situation. Uh, and and I'm I'm very troubled by some of the condescending talk of, oh, you should stop thinking of your parents and your aunts and uncles as part of your family and you should uh, become more like us people in the eastern suburbs. Uh, That's nonsense. Uh, I think very often people out in the west have more faith and much much healthier attitudes to family and to public health than than those in, in, in some of the more comfortable suburbs. I think, too, uh, we have to recognise that that where there is vaccine hesitancy, it's it's not always just completely irrational, wacky, uh, anti-vaxxer social media stuff, uh, you know, that the vaccine's got a microchip in it and that they're the <laughs> Russians or, or Mr Microsoft is going to be following us around for the rest of our lives if we have... It's not just that kind of stuff. The fact is... We have had a lot of changing and often confused medical advice. Uh, a lot of it has been politicised. The vaccine rollout's been politicised. Uh, a lot of people have genuine concerns that there hasn't been enough testing yet and we don't really know what some of the side effects might be. Uh, some others are concerned that that our distribution has been very unjust. Uh, you mentioned uh, Aboriginal Australians who who often have not had access to this vaccine until very recently. Uh, and, and we'd think of third world countries that haven't remotely had the access that we have in Australia. So, so people have a number of concerns around the vaccination program. And, and I don't think we should write them all off as, as dummies or benighted or ideological or anything else. They're actually people that just have their reasons. I'd be saying let's not go for coercing people into this. Let's not go for, for, for making the lives of anyone that doesn't get vaccinated miserable, punishing them for this. Let's persuade people that this is good for them and good for their elderly people, the vulnerable people, the community. Uh, and I think if we give people good arguments, uh, if we clarify some of the the changing and confusing medical advice, if we depoliticise the rollout, uh, if we help them with their concerns about side effects and so on, I think we'll find a very high level of uptake of, of vaccination and we won't need to be twisting anyone's arm to get them there. You're referring there to some of the talk and it's becoming a bit louder, especially amongst political circles now, of having things like a vaccine passport. Yep. I'm 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 very wary of that, Peter. I I, I heard today that uh, Qantas is going to require all its employees to be vaccinated, or they will lose their job. Now, hold on, I'd say, I can understand why you might say you want your your uh, stewardesses, your, your 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 attendants in the plane to be vaccinated because they might become vectors of transmission to the patients, or vice versa, they get it from the patients. But the pilots don't ever meet a, uh, sorry, not patients, passengers. 
The pilots don't ever meet a passenger. The, the baggage handlers don't ever meet a passenger. The, 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 the guys doing the maintenance on the planes, they don't meet a passenger. To have a, a, a one-size-fits-all for every Qantas employee seems to me overkill. Uh, and and why not just try and persuade people of the benefits of, of vaccination rather than twisting their arms so they're resentful, they're, they're presented with a kind of gun at their head that they're going to lose their job if they don't agree to this. Uh, and you, mentioned so they, before, you mentioned before about the Indigenous folk that providing the opportunity, making it easy to comply is often a, a factor. Well, look at how that's worked in Western Sydney. As soon as we got more vaccination hubs, gave people more opportunities, they availed themselves of it in their <laughs> tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands. So the same for, for everybody. Of course, some people will need more encouragement than others. That's like any other part of life. Uh, but let's make sure that everyone has the opportunity rather than trying to use things like passports, threats of losing your job, uh, threats of, of not being allowed to go to school ever again or whatever. Yeah. It, I mean, I know that medical staff have been uh, rec- uh, very strongly encouraged to vaccinate, but we've, we're still hearing about some unvaccinated uh, nurses, et cetera, um, which I think is a sign of they're still allowing a certain amount of freedom in that particular decision. Having said that, and and now let's try and persuade people. If we think that vaccines are a valid choice for Catholics, then the question is, if it's valid, then why wouldn't it be our choice if we're trying to protect others? Um, there is a certain moral responsibility, as you mentioned, to family, to others. It, one of the arguments that's out there, disturbingly, I've even heard this from Catholics, is only old and sick people die. Therefore, you know, it's they're going to die anyway kind of thing. Why Why do we have to worry about this? Why shut down the entire economy just to protect a few old and, and weak people? Well, firstly, it's not only old people that die from COVID, people of all ages. We recently had a baby of one year old died from COVID here in Australia. Uh, we've had several children die in recent times of COVID. So let's stop fooling ourselves that it's only old people. But even if it were a disease that only killed old people, well, surely that should terrify us. Yes. We, we don't want our mum and dad, our grandparents, to die sooner than they should. Uh, if, if we have a proper, what Christians call pietas, piety towards our elders, uh, then we're going to do everything we can to show our appreciation, our gratitude for all they've done for us and given us, and we're going to be especially protective of them. And, and I think, again, a lot of our ethnic communities out in Western Sydney, our Aboriginal communities out in, in the Western Plains and New South Wales, have a much better sense of the importance of respect and piety towards your elders than, than a lot of the, the, the comfortable people in some of the suburbs of Sydney. So I'd be saying, hold on, don't say, okay, it's only old people are going to die, so why should any of us engage in any self-sacrifice for them? The whole reason we have hospitals and aged care facilities is for old, sick, dying people. <laughs> and that's great. That's exactly what we should be doing for them because they're the ones that need that kind of care. The whole reason we have vaccination programs is so as a whole community, we can protect those who are most at risk. When you look at some of our other vaccination programs, they're aimed at, at, at stopping little kids 
are dying as as they used to do in great numbers because of diseases like smallpox and and the like. Uh, well, that's great that we all have the vaccine in order to protect the little kids. So too, we 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 all have a vaccine to protect the elderly. Uh, we all care about all the members of our community, and and I think especially our elderly people deserve a great deal of of, of gratitude and respect from us. Mm. So the issue of uh, our freedoms came up a few times in in the discussion, and one of them was freedom to worship, um, and that's obviously been curtailed in the last little while. Uh, it's been some time since I have been inside a church, and and that we've all been free to to hear mass and and to to gather as Christians. This is quite a serious thing for Christians. We believe that you know receiving our Lord in the Eucharist is a is a, a part. It's an obligation each Sunday, and uh, you know it's quite a it's quite a, a loss for us to not meet in this way, not just purely socially, but for spiritual reasons. Has there been time in history? any times in history and is there a theological reasoning behind a temporary delay in masses the church closures we have at the moment have happened many times before so let's not imagine that our generation is uniquely cursed we did exactly the same by way of lockdowns 100 years ago when the spanish flu came to sydney and came to the whole world uh, we, we first had masses outside where it was uh, less likely to be transmitted and ultimately we had to stop them altogether uh, with the closure of churches. People of faith cooperated with people of no faith or people who are unsure about faith. But we all worked together to keep each other safe as well as to keep ourselves safe and that meant the terrible pain for many of us of not being able to gather for mass. That's happened at the time of the Black Death, the bubonic plague, and 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 it's happened sometimes in wartime and in other situations where it's just not been safe to gather for Mass. Important as that duty is for a Catholic Christian, uh, loved as that opportunity is by every Catholic Christian, we know it's not the only thing that matters in life. And so, of course, religious liberty it's very important that people are as free to worship as possible and you need a really serious reason to interfere with that. Uh, for human well-being, it's important that people have an opportunity to, to worship because we know when that's taken away from them, it affects their emotional, psychological state as well as their spiritual state. Uh, for, for good community, it's important that people are free to worship because it's one of the great places where we gather and we gather with all sorts of people, including people who aren't our normal uh, friends and, and, and neighbours. There are lots of good reasons for enabling worship, worship whenever we can and, and supporting it, but sometimes it's just too dangerous and so sometimes we've had to curtail it. We do that with a very heavy heart Government should be open to, to lifting those restrictions as soon as it's safe to do so, uh, not to be engaging in overkill, in, in, in getting rid of, of worship, because that's the kind of easy one, because churchgoers are very compliant, whereas footy fans are not. So we remember <laughs> last year where the churches were closed, but 20,000 people could go to a football match. Well, come on. That's yeah. just, that's not on. That's not fair. Uh, it is it but, is very hard to take the churches being closed when people are gathering at Bunnings. Yes, yes, and and I I get that, and I I've heard people say, why can I get McDonald's through a window and I can't get Holy Communion through a window? If that was 
the way that someone was to deliver it. I get that and I think there are a lot of inconsistencies in the way that these restrictions have been applied uh, and often I think our governments are, they're just racing like like poor rats in a wheel uh, trying to keep up with the, the changes uh, in the information, in the in the rates of infection. They're making regulations before they even know what they mean and then they're having to change them the next day. I have a great deal of sympathy for them. That's no wonder it's inconsistent sometimes and 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 some of us feel it's unfair at one time or another. But come on, they these they're, they're trying their best, yeah. uh, our, our leaders and and our public health experts. And they're going to get it wrong sometimes. And we've got to give them a bit of of latitude uh, and and give them the kind of mercy we'd hope others would give us when we get things wrong. And part of the reason they have to make the rules the way they do is that there's going to be a certain percentage of us who will always look for loopholes and use use special loopholes to get away with things we shouldn't be doing. Um, and so they end up having to shut down lots of legitimate activities in order to prevent other people using the loopholes to do silly things. That's a very good point, Peter. I, I, I think, you know, if, if you could rely on everybody being as careful as a professor of medicine from the, the University of New South Wales in these circumstances, you might not need as many restrictions. But the fact is, we're not all like that. We're not all as cautious. We don't all have as much information as that guy's got. Uh, and and so, yes, yeah, sometimes if regulations are put there not for the the, the 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 most the best informed or most compliant person, but for uh, the one that's the most likely to push at the edges or 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 act irresponsibly. Uh, we know that's you know a lot of our road rules are aimed at the the kind of the daredevil 18-year-old rather than the the hyper-cautious 90-year-old that drives at five miles an hour. Uh, <laughs> but we put the rules in there because if we don't put them there for the daredevil, uh, we'll all be unsafe. So the same's happened at the moment with COVID. There's also a possibility that um, people like myself are very blessed and can work from home and it doesn't interrupt my, I mean, it's annoying and it's frustrating. I can't see my students, but it's still possible, whereas uh, the, me- the mechanics and the, the builders and the people, the tradesmen who, who you know, hand- live hand-to-mouth um, and from day-to-day, uh, it's not as easy to just shut down. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's bills to pay, there's rent to pay, and it's in spite of the fact that the government offers money in various reluctant ways, the, um, uh, I've had lots of anecdotal evidence of people finding government systems very difficult to navigate and, and there's a, there's a hardship to it. Can we perhaps come back to freedoms? I'm going to be indulge myself a little bit here and say I have a vested interest in a wedding in my family coming up, uh, theoretically, in September. And um, mm. the question is, for Catholics, uh, we're supposed to get married in a church and there are certain you know canonical requirements around that. How do we approach such things? If it were just a couple yep. of weeks delay, that would be one thing, but it looks like it's going to be a lot longer in Sydney. Yes. So I think that governments should be very careful about banning things like weddings and funerals because these are crucial moments in people's lives uh, and and you may have to put a lot of restrictions around them, but I, I certainly think they should be very reluctant to stop them altogether. Um, I, I'd also say that if if there are ways of doing it more safely than other ways, let's go for those. So 
that might mean, for instance, just as we had masses outside in the open air at one time uh, with significant social distancing and so on, that we might allow that for weddings rather than in the confined space of a church. Of course, you need permission to do that because for, for Catholics, you, you, you gather around the altar for sacraments. You, you gather close to the real presence of Christ in the tabernacle. Uh, you gather in a sacred space to do a sacred act, which is actually in the case of the marriage of two Christians, a, a sacrament. Uh, and the proper place for that, of course, is a church. But we know sometimes people marry out at sea or they marry on a desert island. Well, sometimes in a situation of parallel necessity, we we might need permission from the bishop, and this here's a bishop who would give the permission uh, to people that if 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 the government allowed marriages out in an open space uh, where we know in fact COVID is hardly ever transmitted, with a lot of social distancing and other masks and other measures in in mind, then I'd be in favour of 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 making the space for that rather than leaving people going for months and months and months without an opportunity to, to, to engage in one of the most important events in their life, their marriage. Likewise, to say to grieving people, you can't be there for the funeral of someone you love, that, that's a terrible thing. Uh, I know it happens to lots of us. Just today, I was talking to one of my priests who can't go to his dad's funeral because it's interstate or for others it's because it's overseas, or for others it's even within the state, but it, at the moment you're only allowed to go certain distances or whatever. Well, sometimes that has to happen, but we, we have to be very heavy-hearted about that, very reluctant, and if we can find a way, like, for instance, saying, well, you can have the funeral rites outside at the graveside, everyone separated by a certain distance with masks and so on, but not inside a church, well, again, I'd be giving permission for that rather than saying no funerals, full stop. Um, that's a very real one for my family as well, has a funeral coming up in our family and uh, we can't make it. So it's one of those very sad things. I can't, yeah, it'd be hard to see how people grieving would be encouraged to stay apart from each other because there's a very normal and human desire to, to embrace and to, to comfort and those kinds of things. Absolutely, both in grief and in celebration. So it's going to be hard to stop the bride and groom kissing on their <laughs> wedding day, and and I'd be saying they should, uh, because Indeed. they're going to be a household in any case. Indeed, uh, and and so too at a funeral, often the people will be from the same household. There will be a certain amount of of of, of kiss and cuddle that will be possible. And and let's be human about this, and 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 recognise the human realities. But let's be prudent too. So if you're in the same household, you're able to give each other a bit more physical affection than you can if you're from uh, other households but but are attending. Uh, and okay, that's a hardship. Uh, better that than have no funeral or no yeah, wedding permitted. Yeah. Well, that probably is the, is a good way to go towards the end of this uh, episode what can we do now? Now we're within the lockdown restrictions. There's still capacity as Catholics to reach out and to be uh, Christ-like to other people who are suffering. Yep. What can we do? Absolutely. Look, the big thing we can do before, during and after anything else we do is pray. Pray about this. We know that the terrible plagues in history have suddenly stopped and 
we know with a very high degree of certainty it's been because of people's prayers and, and God's intervention. This has happened before. It could happen today. So pray, Christians, pray, 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 and pray with your neighbours who aren't Christian. Encourage them to pray too. Let's all be praying. A, a, a great campaign of prayer in our country uh, to, 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 for the end of this pandemic, for, for keeping our, our elderly and everyone else safe, for looking after our, our health workers and vaccinators and, and testers, for keeping our government sensible and wise, uh, all, all the people that at the moment are affected, let's pray for them all and pray for them one by one or in, in particular groups. That is the thing you can do wherever you are as a Christian, however uh, isolated or or out in the community you are, you can pray for people and, and, and never diminish the power of that. We can also look after each other in other ways that are both human but I'd also say spiritual. We talk about communion, and communion isn't just about receiving the Holy Eucharist, though it's our most precious form of communion with God and each other. But but communion is also about the way that people of 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 faith share with each other in the the communion of saints, in the 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 the, the, the holy life, uh, and and part of that is just being there for each other, talking to each other. So. Make your FaceTime call to the lonely old lady down the road uh, who you know about and, and who would be willing to take a call from you or, or from your loved one, your loved ones. And I'm sure most of us are, are consciously doing that for our loved ones. But what about the person who doesn't have anyone uh, that's loving them the way you wish they were? Well, let's be there for them. Let's make sure that as Christian communities, we're there for the isolated members of our communities, for those that are neglected or feel neglected, or for those who perhaps are not isolated, but they're very anxious. Uh, they're almost self-isolating uh, in this situation. Uh, or for those who, who for other reasons uh, at the moment are under a very particular pressure. They're scared for their financial future uh, or... Uh, they're, they're worried about their education, about their high school certificate or whatever. Uh, let, let's make sure we're there for them and, and using such great things as we have, uh, like uh, Zoom today and FaceTime and all these other techniques we have for keeping in contact with each other. Let's make the most of them. Uh, let's make use of things like, like the great podcasts coming from from <laughs> Peter Holmes as a way of informing each other let's send links to each other of things that we know will be helpful we had a friend um uh your grace who um is from our parish and said well, I'm very frustrated I know you guys uh, are going through a rough time uh, can I do so can I send you a meal and they used menu log to send us a meal as a as a way of saying we could still be parishioners even though we're just in lockdown that was a very nice touch I thought that is beautiful. And I know some of our parishes are actually engaged in big meal services. They're actually making hundreds of meals every week and delivering them to people's doors uh, in a COVID-safe way. Well, it, it, isn't that wonderful? It is. There are many practical ways we can do it. My youngest daughter has taken to writing notes of encouragement to all the relatives she knows are alone. And I thought, oh, you've been more beautiful than any of us in your Christian love. So good for her. Perhaps that's a good way to, to wrap up this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing or, or having better ideas of how to get through COVID, you can let us know. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Discord. 
We're in a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast, but we address issues that go around the whole world. Give us a review on iTunes if it strikes your fancy. But that's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. Mm-hmm.